Amen and amen. And yes, uh, whenever Jessica, Pastor Jess, and Past- Pastor Ian gets back, just show them how much you appreciate them. Uh, because they do so much for you guys and, uh, and for us here at Holly Pine. And, uh, and if you see PK and PK at ARAB, thank them as well. Because, you know, without, without them four, we wouldn't be here. So, yes. Alrighty, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into uh, week two of the series. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now, Lord. We love you. We thank you. You are an awesome God. You, you, are, you are worthy of it all. As Jennifer was saying, you are worthy. And we just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so uh, week two of our series, uh, we are talking about winning the war. Winning the war. Last week was uh, part one. This is part two. So winning the war within. So through this study, we're going to see how science and how scripture work together to produce the life God has for you in your life. Just as a reminder, there's a book you can get. Uh, It's by Dr. Leafs. It's called Switch on Your Brain. So this is a book if you're really interested and you want some in-depth study on this topic uh, that we're going to be talking about, then we really recommend you get this book. You can go to Amazon. You can probably get it on Kindle or whatever app you have to get books. So if you're really interested and want in-depth study, then here's the book. It's by Dr. Leafs. Uh, let's go to our first scripture. Our first scripture is out of Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 6. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let, so letting your sinful nature, your flesh, control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your minds leads to to life and peace. I don't know about you, but life and peace sounds so much better than death, you know. <laughs> so letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So whoever wins the battle for your mind wins the war. So if you let your flesh win the battle of your mind, then death wins the war. But if you let the Spirit win your mind, then you're going to have peace and life. So you're either, you know, there's people who say like the rich are poor, healthy, unhealthy, joyful or depressed, relation, uh, relationally fulfilled or dysfunctional, victorious or defeated, spirit, spiritual or carnal based on your thoughts. So you can be rich or poor based on the way you think. You can be unhealthy or healthy based on the way you think. You can be spiritually, you know, satisfied or dysfunctional based on on the way you think. But I want you to remember something, guys. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is eternal. Your mind is eternal. Your brain is temporal. Your brain is temporal. Your brain is the control center of our body, right? So our brain tells our body what to do. It says, hey, move your left hand, okay? Move my left hand. Move your right hand. Okay. So that's my brain telling me what to do. Your brain tells your body what to do, but your mind is the control center of your brain. Your mind is the control center of your brain. So your brain is ruled by your mind. Your thoughts, your actions, 
your choices, your feelings. They all create neurological pathways in your brain that creates habits and health. So based on what you think and your thoughts, neurological pathways come through and it dictates how you live. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Well, how can we guard our, guard our hearts, guys? By controlling the thoughts and controlling the things that our mind lets in into our brain. When we control those, we can guard our hearts. So we're going to look at the uh, last point from last week, and we're going to start this week off with this, with this point. So your thoughts literally change, change the shape of your brain and determine your DNA or how your DNA is expressed. Isn't that crazy? Your thoughts can change the way your DNA is. This is called epigenetic modification. Epigenetic modification. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, God's really cool, guys, you know. God takes science, you know, the, the world tries to take science and says, oh, God's not real. And then God just says, look at science. Actually, look at science. And you look at science and you say, well, God really is real. You know, that, God's just awesome like that. So I'm really excited about this. And, and, and when you study more, it's just really cool. So just be transformed from your mind. Think about a caterpillar. Okay, a caterpillar is what? When a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, and then a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, and then it turns into a what? Butterfly. What's that process called? Metamorphosis, for the science people who know science. Metamorphosis, right? So when it metamorphosizes into, from a caterpillar to a butterfly, it metamorphosizes into a butterfly, and it's called being transformed, right? And God calls us to be transformed, right? But I want you to think something really, really cool about this. I'm, I'm going to take a minute on this because this is science class and, and, and church. We're going to mix it too. So I want you to think about when you're a caterpillar or you look at a caterpillar, it has to crawl. It has to crawl up the leaves. It has to go all the paths. It has to crawl and it has to fight its way through every path it goes. It has to fight its way, Right? It's a caterpillar. It fights. It can't, it can't really move that fast. It has to, it has to slowly go and, and maneuver its way around. But here's the cool thing. Once it gets in the cocoon and it goes through a process of being transformed and then it becomes a beautiful butterfly, what then happens? It no longer has to worry about going through the paths that it went through. It no longer has to worry about, you know, I have to go this way, this way, this way. The butterfly is now elevated so it can fly 
so it don't have to go to what it had to be in the past. So us as Christians, when we start the process of changing our thoughts, you know, right now we may be you know, going through the path of this and this and this, but once we start to take control of our thoughts and we go through the process, because it's a process, right? We are being metamorphosized. We are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then once we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we become what? A new creation. God has called us to be a new creation for those who belong to Christ. And once we're a new creation, we no longer have to be a caterpillar, but we can be a butterfly because we are elevated. And because we are elevated, we no longer have to face what we faced in the past. Every cell in our body is affected because of the change in the brain in our brain and our DNA. That's crazy. Next point. Epigenetic modification is not new. You may now be hearing this, it's like this is the first time I heard this. And and it may be new to the world, new to science, but it's not new. God defined it and warned mankind about the generational ramifications of our thoughts and choices in the Old Testament. Let's go to Exodus, chapter 34, verse 6 through 7. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Is that, is that one generation? Is that, is that just you? A thousand generations. Rob, is that just you? No, that's what? Your kids and your kids' kids, right? I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin because I do not excuse the guilty. I lay, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in their third and fourth generations. So the word lay here in this verse 7 the word lay doesn't mean to punish. It doesn't mean I punish those. It means to be given a place of authority or influence. That's what God is trying to say in this scripture. I give you a place of authority and influence for not only you, your generation, but for the generation after you and your grandchildren's generation and the generation after that. The code is laid over your DNA, turning it on and off. God created our genetic codes to pass down the blessings of God to our children. Sin turns the blessings into a curse. I'll pause there for a second. I want you to think about that. Why is it that you see somebody who may be struggling, and then you see their kids struggling, and then you see their kids struggling? It's because it's passed down. It's passed down. So God is saying, if we can take control of our thoughts today, and we can renew our minds, and we can be metamorphosized, we can be transformed, and you know what's cool about that? It passes on to our gener next generation, to their generation, to their generation. Imagine that. Imagine that your kids, and your kids' kids, and your kids' 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 kids, 
Imagine them not having to start out as a caterpillar. Imagine them starting out as a butterfly. Because of you and your willingness to surrender to God and your willingness to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is what God's calling us today. So I'm going to take a pause and we're going to play a video. It's about five minutes long and it's about generational sin and epigenetic modification. What science has now learned and is so fascinating is that the choices we make in life will alter how our genes are expressed. This is big. People need to really pay, sit up and pay attention to this because science is now confirming scripture. And in lectures that I do, I often ask the audience, which is more scientifically accurate, the Bible or Charles Darwin? Well, guess what? It's the Bible. Darwin hypothesized that it was mutation over millions of years that caused his finches to have different beaks. Science has actually now proved it's epigenetic modification. Genetic, the, the instructions sitting above the genome telling the genes how to express themselves, which are changed based on experience. What we go through in life, the foods that we eat, the choices we make, uh, the environment in which we live will actually alter the genes in, in telling which genes to turn on and which genes to turn off. What we know about genetics and addiction is that behaviors, sensations, input into the brain will use the DNA to change how the cell responds. And basically what happens is that genes are turned off or turned on based on what that response is. While the DNA doesn't change, the expression does. So the ability to be aware of environment, ability to respond may be genetically coded, but when we begin changing it, the term we use is epigenetically, when we change how that's expressed, we change the enzymes that are made, we change the response of the cell, and that change becomes a part of the genetic expression. generally with one exposure to pornography. It's the repetitive, volitional exposure to pornography um, that will cause this type of uh, gene expression to happen, such that you alter your pleasure circuits and you alter the inhibitory feedback, which would tell you not to do this. And that's epigenetic modification, changing your brain function. When we have kids, we not only give the sequence to our kids, we will pass along the instructions two and three generations down. And so if we become addicted to stuff, we can pass along to our kids gene constellations that make them more vulnerable to addictions. Conversely, if we get victories over stuff, we can actually pass on advantages. There's good animal evidence that that change in expression can be transmitted to the offspring. Those enzymes, those mechanisms, those genes that are turned off may also be turned off in the next generation. So we can pass along both positive things in our life 
and or negative depending on the choices we make in life. And so the Bible is actually more scientifically accurate than Charles Darwin because we do pass down to our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren the experiences that we go through in life based on the epigenetic modifications. They will get not only our genes, but the instructions on how those genes are expressed. Many adolescents will say things like, hey, it's my body, I can do what I want. Only if you're never gonna have kids. If you're gonna have kids, it's not only your body, it's your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids' body too, so be careful what you do with it. Don't think of it as a, as a battle you're just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for the very lineage that God gave you. And if you will break this curse, then your sons and your daughters have a better shot and your grandchildren have a better shot. My son's name is Jubilee because his dad took the courage to break the curses off of him. I wanna invite you to do the very same thing for those you love. Amen, amen, isn't that powerful? Like, think about that, the world tells us the world tells us, hey, it's your body, you do what you want with it. It's you, me, me, me. You get to decide what you do with you. But really, if you think about it, what he said was right. Like, it's not just our bodies we're affecting, it's our kids' bodies, you know. It's their, it's their choices that we're affecting, it's our grandchildren's choices we're affecting, you know. Isn't that crazy how the DNA is modified? to affect generation after generation after generation. And the cool thing about that, like the video said, and like the scripture said, it's been in the Bible all along. This video, I looked it up, it was four years ago. So that's four years ago. Now think about today, or four years from now, how much more proof science is going to prove God. So church, our thoughts produce words and behaviors which in turn stimulate more thinking and choices that build more thoughts in an endless cycle, which not only affects us, but our children. So it is the quality of our thinking, choices, and our reactions to life that determine the genetic inheritance we pass on to our children and our brain agriculture. This is cool. You know, think about this, an inheritance. You think that word, you know what I think of initially? I think money, right? Money or land, inheritance. Well, oftentimes, some people are not fortunate enough to leave behind an inheritance of money. Oftentimes, you're not fortunate enough to leave an inheritance of land. Those are good things to leave behind. But every single human on this earth who has children gets to pass on genetic inheritance. I want you to think about that. You may not pass along money. You may not pass along land. But you can pass on your genetic inheritance. That's powerful. Let's go to Luke chapter 6 verse 45. It says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Oftentimes, people who have evil hearts, it's because all they've seen is evil stuff. I don't think people are evil 
just to be evil on purpose, right? So it's, it's passed down. It's passed down genetically, part of it. And then part of it is experience, right? So we, we take, next point, we take facts, experiences, and the events of life and assign meaning to them in our thinking. We are constantly reacting to circumstances and events. And as this cycle goes on, our brain becomes shaped by the process in either a positive, good direction, or a negative, toxic direction. This is our brain agriculture. So how do you have a good heart? You go back to that being transformed by the renewing your mind. You do that, and you pass along good to the future generation. You pass along good in your life, too. So your thoughts take up mental real estate in your brain. Now, in an encounter, how many of you been in an encounter, adult encounter? Awesome. And we just had a youth encounter this past weekend, right? Sam, Michaela, Bradley, woo, youth encounter. And in an encounter, we talked about the cycle of death. And there's an image should be on the screen. Cycle of death. And the cycle of the death pretty much says when you have experience, based off of your experience, then you can believe. And then based off your belief that you have, then you can start expecting what you believe to happen. And then when you expect that to happen, then you start acting and behaving in a way that you believe. Now, this is a cycle of death because that scripture says evil man has an evil heart. And I just said, I don't believe every uh, people just try, try to have evil heart, just have evil heart. Experience. This is the cycle. They take what they experience, native experience, right? They see their, their families. They see, they see how their, their home life or, or their family's life, and they see it's chaos. So they think, oh, I experienced chaos, so now I believe that I live in chaos, and because I live in chaos, I expect chaos. So then when I move out, I go to college or whatever, and I move out. Now, because I expect chaos, that's what I believe in, now I start acting in chaos. I bring chaos with me. You see how that's a cycle of death? Because you experience it, and then you believe it, and then you expect it to happen. Or, uh, you know, back to the poor and rich, right? Maybe you grew up in a poor family. Well, my family's always been poor. That's been my experience, be poor, right? So now my belief is I, I'm never going to get ahead. I'm always going to be poor. I'm always never going to have enough. So now I expect to be poor the rest of my life, and now I act poor. I act like I'm never going to accomplish anything. And then you pass that along to the next generation and the generation and the generation. See where I'm going in this church? So how do we break this cycle of death? It's actually real simple. Well, yeah, renewing your mind. But all you have to do is take number one out. Belief, expectation, behavior. This is the cycle of life. Because... God says, and as the announcement showed, right, Pastor Keith's new book, The Mustard, God says, have faith. We believe enough in God. If we truly believe enough in God, we, we get transformed and say, all right, God, your word says this. You know, I may grew up in a poor family, 
You know, we may not have always had enough, and we may always do this, but God, I know you say you're my provider. I know you're going to say I have more than enough. And because I believe that, I expect God to provide. And because I expect God to provide, I start behaving in a way that, God, that I know I'm not going to be poor. Or chaos, I'll use that example again. You may experience chaos, but you know what? God's the prince of peace. You say, God, you can have peace. You, you can, I can have life, and I can have peace, and I can have joy, the fruits of the spirits, right? You say I can have this. So I believe, God, that you are going to give me joy and peace. And because I believe that, I expect you to do that, God. And because I expect it, I start living in joy and peace. So that's how we break that cycle. This behavior is subconscious level because your brain has been rewired and your DNA coded. Like I said, in order to break, to break this, all we have to do is bypass number one on this cycle and go from belief and what God says in your life, expect what God says in your life, and act as, as you truly believe God said it in your life. So God created you for life and godliness. His promises enabled us to partake in His divine nature. God's Word is the standard for our life. It's the standard for our thoughts, empowering us to escape the corruption of this world. So when we choose God's promises over our life, when we choose to truly believe God's word in our life, when we truly, when we truly, truly, truly have the faith to believe that, guys, when we're reading our quiet time, when we're reading or we hear a word on Sunday or Wednesday or wherever it may be, maybe you're listening to a podcast, maybe you're listening to music, whenever you hear God speak, when you truly believe it, And guess what? Things change. Things change. You no longer have to feel the world's pain. You no longer have to feel the pain that this world offers. The world says it offers good and offers you, you know, a good time or, or you, you know, you need this escape. But when you escape that way, you're just going to fill your heart with pain. And it's going to make a good heart into a bad heart. But when you choose to believe God's promises over the world's pain, things change. Our last scripture, Second Peter, chapter two, or I'm sorry, chapter one, verse three and four. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live in a godly life. We have received all of his all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And verse 5 says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond 
to God's promises. And that's what you're going to have an opportunity to do today, this morning. You're going to have an opportunity to respond to God's promises. Before we get the music on, every head bow. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still a caterpillar. Or maybe you're watching online and you're, and you're still a caterpillar. And you have yet to accept God's promise in your life. His promise that you're His child. That He loves you so much that He was willing to sacrifice His own Son for you. Jesus Christ on a cross. And maybe you want to be transformed into a new creation when you have opportunity. So if that's you, if you're in this room and you never truly surrender to God, or you're watching online and you never truly surrender your life to God, and you want to be transformed this morning, then if you're online, just just do a thumbs up or a wave or or comment. And if you're here in this room, just, just... I want to ask you to do something bold. Just stand up. Just stand up. Maybe you're here online or here this morning and and you're, you're in that process. You're in the cocoon and you're in the process. Of being transformed, and, and some days are good, but some days are bad. And and you're and you haven't really truly grabbed hold of your thoughts, and you're and you're believing, and you're not believing in God's promises, but you're believing that you're not good enough, or or you're a failure, or or whatever it may be. If that's you this morning, then I'm gonna I'm gonna pray this prayer over you. And if that's you online, I'm gonna pray this prayer over you. Stand the Father, Lord. You are good. God, forgive me for believing the lies of this world and of the enemy. The lies that I'm not good enough. The lies that I'll never be anything in my life. The lies that I'll never make it. God, I choose today, this morning, Holly Pond, Alabama, Liberty Church, believe in your promises over my life which is your word I choose to believe those and I choose to be transformed daily by the renewing of my mind in Jesus name Amen Amen Alright you are dismissed and I have a